WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Thursday, October 12th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today, just a beauty. High 71. Tonight and overnight, clear, low 53. And then Friday, We'll do it all over again. Sunny, high 67. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 48 and clear in Dobbs Ferry up in Westchester, 47 and clear in Lakehurst down in New Jersey, and it is 54 and partly cloudy here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock, Sid and friends in the morning. Of course, the big story continues to be what's going on in the Middle East, in Israel, and in Gaza. And as we have, we've been speaking with this fantastic uh, bureau chief reporter in uh, Jerusalem, and he joins us on the Newsmaker line now, Alex Trayman, the CEO, Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate. He's also award-winning documentary filmmaker, Israeli political commentator, and syndicated columnist. But more more importantly, he joins us right now on the Newsmaker Line. Good morning, Alex. Uh, good morning, Noam. Thanks for coming on with us again. Okay, while we were sleeping here in New York in the United States, can you give us a little update of what's been happening in Israel and in Gaza? Sure. Well, there the idea the Israeli Air Force has been pummeling uh, sites in, in Gaza Strip. We heard a report uh, from the uh, IDF spokesperson that Israel is actually using facial recognition uh, that was taken from videos taken in Israel uh, from surveillance videos during the massacre attack on Saturday morning to develop targets uh, inside the Gaza Strip in real time, and they're hitting based on on targets and you know, locating. Uh, those those individuals that are are inside Gaza. So Israel's been pummeling the Gaza Strip. There's reports that Hamas is uh, ceasing to be able to administer uh, the Strip right now. There's total chaos over there. In Israel, uh, there have been continued rocket attacks. There was a rocket that uh, hit the Israeli town of Steyrot, which is not far from the Gazan border, and uh, four people were injured, too. Uh, seriously, there's been nonstop rocket barrage uh, with... Uh, people in the south and and some up the coast being forced into bomb shelters. So uh, things are really picking up. Where do these mil? Where are these rockets coming from? Where have they been hidden? How are they, at some point you think they these militants, these terrorists would run out of these rockets? Is 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 there just tens of thousands of them we don't know about? Exactly, they've been stockpiling tens of thousands of of rockets, and uh, these rockets, they're most of them are are probably about uh, two to three feet in length, and uh, they can be launched from these mobile miss rocket launchers. You know, they, they get set up like just on the ground, and and so they could be stockpiled, you know, in, in buildings, and many are stockpiled, we know, in, in mosques, even in hospitals. One of the, there's a Hamas headquarters stationed in a hospital in Gaza, uh, in schools, in homes, and, and they just bring them out and, and they start they start firing. Yeah, and I think the world at this point is convinced of what butchers they are. I mean, what they did to uh, the civilians on the Israeli side, and so now you know it's completely believable that they would then do it on the on their side as well, hide these these missile silos or these launchers in buildings where lots of civilians could be killed if Israelis bomb them, no? 
Exactly. We see that Hamas, on the one hand, doesn't target military targets in Israel. They target civilian targets. And then at the same time, they use their own civilians as human shields. And, and actually what their goal is, or one of their tactics uh, in the fighting, is actually to have the number of their own citizens, residents, killed in order to, to turn the narrative on Israel for, for killing civilians, which Israel is not trying to do. So uh, Israel warned uh, Palestinians living in the West Bank. Uh, they gave them a period of time saying, basically, get the heck out if you can at this opening into Egypt. But apparently that border crossing is closed now or has been closed. Is that right? Right. The border right was open uh, until about midday yesterday. Uh, the border is believed to be closed right now. And I think that there are talks about trying to create a humanitarian corridor uh, along the Egyptian border. Uh, and that might be something that uh, you know, Israel would uh, permit if if hostages were released. Right. So, the, you know, the hostages play play a role here in uh in determining what will what will happen uh, on both sides, both for Israel and for Gaza. Okay, so we saw one moment yesterday. I don't know if it's real, and maybe you can give us some confirmation that there was a hostage and two kids that were released by Hamas. Is that correct? Back to Israel? Uh, no, we got reports that the hostages that were reported released were not in Gaza. These were or hostages that were taken in Israel on Saturday, uh, but as they were rescued by uh, as. Their rescue operations were taking place inside Israel to release hostages that hostages were, were released. So tell us, what do we know? Anything more about, do we have a firm number of how many hostages there? I know there's a number of Americans that are being held as well, where they might be, what Israel is doing or the rest of the world to negotiate their freedom. No, we we don't have official numbers of the hostages. It's believed that it's about 150, but you know the death count in Israel from the Saturday massacre continues to rise. Uh, you know, just this morning we were told that the the number is is up to 1,300, and and the reason why this this is relevant to the number of hostages is because Israel is still identifying bodies uh, from the massacre. So until they have fully counted and identified uh, those that were killed in Israel. On Saturday, it's hard to know how many of them are still missing, who's missing, uh, and who might be in in the Gaza Strip. Uh, as to their whereabouts, uh, we don't know where they're where they're being held. Uh, it's believed that uh, many would be held inside the extensive tunnel network, uh, this underground city that uh, Hamas has built uh, for many many years, with all the concrete and equipment that that countries have given as. You know, as, as part of aid packages to Gaza and with billions of dollars. And, and these are highly booby-trapped tunnels uh, that probably IDF soldiers wouldn't otherwise want to be going into. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the operation to rescue hostages really hasn't begun, and we'll see if the United States uh, and other members of the international community are able to uh, make some kind of headway on that in addition to the IDF. Yeah, I, mean, I guess we have to remember these attacks took place uh, Saturday. So just the process of finding some of the people who were killed and then identifying them, it's not, it's not a short-term process. It takes a while. And so I guess, as you're saying, as those bodies are found, names are taken off the list of people who could potentially be held in Gaza. Is that right? Yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, and, you know, for, for Israelis, 
the every the the bodies are so are so holy you know even the the dead bodies and so you have teams that are are trying to not only identify the bodies but even to collect all body parts and make sure that they're buried together and it's a it's a long and arduous process there's an organization here called zaka uh that does this and they actually do it around the world they get sent out uh when there are attacks you know almost anywhere uh and they they've reported that they've used uh, the amount of equipment that they would typically use in about a four-year period of time uh, in just one week. WABC News Time 510 on our newsmaker line, Alex Trayman, the CEO, Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate, JNS.org. So, Alex, uh, troops are amassed on the Gaza border. The thought is there might be a ground war. Is it looking more like that's going to happen? And do we have a timeline of when that might take place? Well, you know, Israel did uh, call up over 300,000 soldiers with uh, approval to call up another 360,000 sh- soldiers. Many of them are, are right on the Gaza border, around the Gaza envelope. Uh, supply chains and uh, equipping them and, and getting battle plans is is all taking place. And it is believed that uh, a ground incursion uh, is imminent, uh, which is a both a an important yet also a scary proposition for for Israelis that that all have fathers, sons, uh, brothers, sisters. Uh, in the army, everybody knows a good friend or, or a family member that that is now on the Gaza border, uh, and they are prepared to go into what is likely to be a highly booby-trapped uh, urban environment. Uh, but the purpose would be uh, to completely dismantle Hamas and to establish a new a new paradigm inside the Gaza Strip. No, who would essentially they would be taking out the government if they knock out Hamas? Isn't Hamas essentially uh, Hamas is the elected government in Gaza? No, exactly. And uh, the idea is that if Hamas will continue to remain the government uh, inside the Gaza Strip, that we can be certain that the type of attack that we saw on Saturday would be attempted again and again. This wasn't a one-time uh, instance uh, by some rogue terrorists you know, while Hamas was governing the Strip. This was Hamas, uh, which is the government of the Gaza Strip, organizing and orchestrating this sophisticated attack with thousands of militants uh, coming in and weapons and training. Uh, and it's not the first time they've tried to infiltrate the border. It's not the first time they fired rockets. They've done this countless times uh, since they came into power in 2007. And if they're left there, they will continue the war against Israel. And so uh, their lifespan, as far as the Israeli government is concerned, is over. Uh, Alex, talk about what I think will be interesting to New Yorkers, Americans in general, is there is a unity government. So here, in some ways, Israel is split much like the U.S. US is and, you know, uh, the left and the right. And, uh, you know, they're they're at each other's throats in normal times. But here, uh, the two sides have essentially come together to create a wartime unity government. Is that right? Uh, that's correct. Uh, Benny Gantz, who was a former challenger of Netanyahu, uh, is now a member of the government with his uh, National Unity Party. You know, we've had five elections in uh, the last four years uh, here in Israel, and I think it would be very, very complicated to to uh, unravel you know all the dynamics uh, politically. But the unity government, I think, is is very much representative of the unity uh, within Israel. You know, over the last several months, there's been great political 
divisiveness over the issue of judicial reforms. And uh, obviously, all the members of the opposition uh, and, and much of the country is tired of having Netanyahu as their prime minister uh, after so many years in office. Uh, he, Netanyahu does still have a tremendous amount of popular support, which is why he is the prime minister. Uh, but all that divisiveness has gone away with the attack on Saturday. There is just tremendous, tremendous shows of unity from right to left, up and down, religious, secular. Uh, Israelis are, are so united, and there's just a sense of tremendous uh, pride uh, right now in, in what this country is and the military that we've built. Uh, and uh, a real feeling like we're not going to be, uh, that the Israeli people are not going to be um, brought down by this moment, but rather they're going to rise up to the occasion and, and fight for their existence and fight for their future. Alex, one last question. Tell me a little bit about how you're doing, how you're holding up, how your family is doing. You know, we're in Jerusalem, and uh, it's been quieter in Jerusalem than in other parts of the country. We haven't had uh, air raid sirens in the city uh, for two days, uh, which for Jerusalem residents is great, but it's not representative of how uh, others in other parts of the country are doing. Uh, there's definitely fears that uh, you have on the eastern section of the city over 250,000 uh, Arab residents living in, in Arab towns and villages. Uh, and, you know, with, there's talk that uh, Friday could be a major day of rage tomorrow. Uh, and so there's definitely tension that that uh, terror from within these areas and also within Judea and Samaria, commonly known as the West Bank, could emerge. Uh, tomorrow we've already had an attack on the outskirts of Jerusalem yesterday. Uh, so it's definitely a tension because there's the feeling that this could uh, expand beyond the borders of Gaza. Alex, you've, uh, thank you. I know you're, this is a crazy time for you for personally and as a journalist. And we appreciate you, uh, giving us so much of your time. You've really done a fantastic job for us. Alex Trayman is the CEO and the Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate, uh, JNS.org. Alex, uh, be safe and thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you so much, Noam. 516, let's head over to the 77WABC Sports Desk, and here's Justin Alec. Thank you, Norm. You're welcome. All right, appreciate it. <laughs> Starting on the diamond here with the MLB playoffs, we have two more championship series-bound squads in the Arizona Diamondbacks and Houston Astros. The D-backs completed the sweep of the Dodgers with a 4-2 win in Game 3 of the NLDS against L.A. In Minnesota, the Astros move on after handling the Twins, besting them 3-2. to two. Punch their ticket to the ALCS where they'll meet the Texas Rangers uh, in the National League. The Phillies returned home and hammered the Atlanta Braves by a score of 10-2 to behind two Bryce Harper long balls. Citizens Bank Park was popping, taking two games uh, to take an A, two games to one series lead. The Phillies, that is, ahead of game four, set for a 6.07 p.m. first pitch tonight, also in Philly. To the ice we go where the Rangers and Devils will open their respective 2023 regular season campaigns tonight for the Hockey Blue Shirts. They'll start things off in Buffalo to battle the Sabres tonight at 7 p.m. And the Devs will drop the puck on their season at home against the Detroit Red Wings at 7.30. And of course it is Thursday which means a fresh week of NFL action. Week 6 kicks off with the 1-4 Denver Broncos in Kansas City to take on the 4-1 Chiefs on Thursday night football kickoff. It's set for 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time, and the Chiefs go in as 10.5-point favorites. Locally, the 2-3 and three Jets 
It's set to host the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles Sunday afternoon at 425 p.m. Currently has seven-point underdogs. As for the 1-4 and four Giants, they'll be in Buffalo Sunday night at 820 p.m. as 14-point underdogs. Yeah, that's going to be ugly. I don't know why they keep putting them in prime time. I mean, um, I guess before, you know, you, you figure this stuff out before the season, but usually most years they start flexing, you know. They do. Why aren't they? I mean, maybe because it's New York and they'll still get eyeballs even if the Giants are terrible. Yeah, maybe. But, I mean, honestly, if I'm if I'm the NFL, I would have I would have taken the Eagles and Jets and put them on Of Sunday. course. I, that'd be a good game, yeah. And, and you know, and then take the Giants and uh, and Bills and put them at, at 4.30 on Sunday afternoon. But, hey, that's, I guess that's why I'm not the commissioner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe someday. Yeah, maybe someday. There you go. No, that's sports, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 520. The White House uh, confirming now it's 22 Americans that were killed in Israel, 17 missing following that attack on Saturday. I think we all need to steel ourselves for the very distinct possibility that these numbers will, will keep increasing uh, and that we may, in fact, find out that um, more Americans uh, are part of the hostage pool. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says those numbers, yeah, uh, likely will rise. Our message to all these families affected is that, you know, we're, we're with you, we're grieving with you, we're sorrowful with you, we're worrying with you, uh, and we're going to do everything we can, particularly for those who don't know where a loved one is, to, 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 to find out where they are. And no surprise, there's so many connections to the tri-state area. The family of an Israeli-American soldier from Paramus, who was serving in the Israeli il- uh, military, confirmed that he was killed in the Hamas attack. The family of 20-year-old Itai Glisko found out he was among those killed just a day ago. It's terrible. First of all, the four days of unknown what happened and the hopes and the prayers and then the horrible news. Meantime, a soldier from New Jersey, Edan Alexander, who had just graduated Tenafly High School among the Americans at this point that's still missing in Israel. Maybe he's being captive. Maybe he's, God forbid, something else. It's a, it's a roller coaster. You know, you go through emotional roller coaster. Yeah, and uh, we also found out, tragically, uh, from a family in Great Neck out on Long Island that their 25-year-old daughter uh, was killed while attending the music festival, that one where so many were killed on Saturday. A man who grew up on a kibbutz, and if you're not familiar with that term, it's essentially like a commune, I guess is the best way to describe it, along the border of Gaza. Searching for nearly a dozen family members, 10 of his family members were kidnapped from the kibbutz he lived on in southern Israel on Saturday. This guy named Yotam Kipnis says that um, he grew up there. His parents uh, still live there. They're missing. And some of the kids are missing and some of the relatives, too. All 10, uh, the IDF says they have no idea where they are, the Israeli Defense Forces. It's like a limbo, you know. I don't know exactly where they are. I do not know if they're alive or or dead, and if they are alive, they're probably had held a hostage in uh, in Gaza. Yeah, and these terrorists who came in, they burned uh, this house to the ground, uh, then took them hostage. I called my mother in eight thirty in the morning, and uh, she told me the situation was horrible. That she was hearing gunshots uh, from uh, outside the windows. I did call her once again in ten o'clock, and there was no answer. Yeah, so his father is uh, 65. He has a severe nerve disease that requires some sort of daily medication. So uh, they're worried now that he's you know not getting that medication, Yo Tom. And he says even if his father is being treated well, which he doubts, 
uh, he says he doesn't know how long he can survive without that medication. Because even if he is alive and getting treated, uh, you know, reasonably, uh, he can't keep on living for much longer unless he has his uh, medication. She is a very mentally strong uh, woman. Yeah, uh, as we heard from uh, Alex, uh, who has been uh, doing a fantastic job covering the war in Jerusalem, uh, they're hopefully starting to make some sort of deals to get some of these hostages back, but it's not clear what those deals will entail. A group of Palestinian supporters, meanwhile, in New Jersey, does not want the U.S. to support Israel during this time of war between Israel and Hamas. Yeah, so they gathered outside of Senator Cory Booker's office in Newark yesterday, called for an end to the war. They're also demanding that Senator Booker and Senator Menendez and New Jersey's congressional delegation vote no to any more financial or military support for Israel. We're demanding that Senator Booker, Senator Menendez and the New Jersey congressional delegation vote no against additional funding and munitions to go going to Israel. Uh, the only the, one of the statements we've heard from Senator Booker, who happened to be in Israel, actually, when this all broke out, he pledged uh, full support for Israel and to innocent Palestinian civilians who he said are victims of violence. Lots of other stuff happening on this Thursday. House Republicans nominating Majority Leader Steve Scalise to be the next speaker. A Louisiana lawmaker thanking Republicans who supported him and says he wants the voting process to get underway at ASAP. Obviously, we still have work to do. We're going to have to go upstairs on the House floor and resolve this and then get the House opened again. We have a lot of work to do. Scalise securing the nomination. It was 113 to 99. It was a closed-door Republican conference meeting. Uh, He defeated Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan. Uh, We need to make sure we're sending a message to people all throughout the world that the House is open and doing the people's business. Scalise uh, thanking his fellow Republicans as well yesterday. I want to thank... My House Republican colleagues for just designating me as the speaker. Yeah, so not 100% clear when this final vote will be taken, but it should be pretty soon. Texas border buoys continue to bob in the Rio Grande as a way to discourage illegal immigration. The head of the Texas Department of Public Safety says they're not backing down from the pressure that's coming from the Justice Department in Mexico. We didn't coordinate with the governor of Mexico when we put them there. We still believe where we initially put it was in the U.S. Colonel Steve McGraw there says they're not afraid. Uh, they're not uh, a flood risk, I should say, because they float on top of the water and he says they move with the flow of the water. The advantage of the buoys is that it's float, it floats. It doesn't have there's not an impact on floods in that regard. So there's this lawsuit over the so-called floating border wall. It's pending in a federal court. And then you have people who are at the border who say, look, we watched what's going on in Israel as these terrorists came across the border. And they're worried about the same sort of terrorists showing up at the U.S.-Mexico border. There are folks around the world that hate us simply because we're Americans. We need to put the politics aside and we need to make sure that our country is protected. Yeah, Congressman Tony Gonzalez there says more has to be done to see who exactly is coming across the border. Let's take a look at the numbers. The opening bell, it rings this morning after markets suffered losses yesterday. The closing bell Wednesday, the Dow gained 65 points. S&P 500 rose by 18. NASDAQ gained 96 points. Uh, investors today that are going to be looking out for the release of last month's consumer price index as well as weekly jobless claims. Talk Radio 77 WABC.
It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 531. Good morning. It is Thursday, October 12th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine, just a beautiful day like yesterday. Wow, it was gorgeous. It'll be gorgeous again today, high 71. Tonight, overnight, clear, low 53. And then Friday, it's all over again. Sunny, high 67. If you are walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 48 and clear in Dobbs Ferry up in Westchester. 47 and clear in Lakehurst down in New Jersey. And it's 54 and clear here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, sit in friends in the morning. We'll start this half hour right here in New York City in the search for... This guy is just disgusting. An all-out creep. They have to find this guy who's accused in this pattern of sex abuse and forcible touching incidents in Brooklyn. The most disturbing of them happening last week at the 25th Street subway station in Sunset Park, where cops say this guy stood over a sleeping 22-year-old woman on a train, exposed himself. She woke up and realized this man had ejaculated on her before he left the train station. Don't go to sleep. That's it. I mean, you have to get on the train, then you have to get on the train. But other than that, you just have to be aware. Keep your head on a swivel. Being a woman, it's just very scary. And especially now with all the stuff going on on the subways and all that, like, mm-hmm. scary to be a woman right now. Mm-hmm. world is a very scary place at the moment. It sure is. Investigate are quickly learning two other incidents that happened two days prior. Uh, there was one where this uh, creep approached a 30-year-old woman from behind, busy intersection in Cobble Hill, grabbed her uh, on the breast and buttocks before leaving. About 90 minutes earlier, the same jerk uh, went to a woman from behind uh, before sexually abusing her. And as you might guess, uh, women across the borough, well, not happy to hear about any of this. There's no control. There's there's no sense of security. I grew up in this neighborhood, and to hear that this is happening, this it's it's just okay. it's just a little too much. Yeah. So the good part is they have a really clear picture of this guy from a surveillance camera. So just a matter of time until they catch up, catch up with the jerk. Republican lawmakers say they'll introduce a resolution to expel Congressman George Santos, the Long Island and uh, Queens congressman. The move comes a day after Santos was hit with those new round of federal criminal charges. Ten new federal charges have been added to the original 13-count indictment Santos was first hit with in May. Additional allegations here of wire fraud and conspiracy. Santos saying in response he denies every last bit of the charges and intends to fight to the bitter end. I'm just going to go defend myself. Santos now accused of stealing people's identities and making charges on his donors' credit cards without authorization. James Flippin for 77 WABC News. Let's go out to Long Island East Northport. Police say one man died following a police-involved shooting. They responded to this house when a neighbor reported that a man was acting violent in a home. This is about 845. Officers arrived. 54-year-old Alan Weber refused to come outside, was screaming, breaking items in his house. Police say Weber then confronted them with two swords, and that's when an officer fired off shots that hit Weber. Now, neighbors say Weber was just likely off his meds, and uh, some of them say they didn't feel like he deserved to be shot. I just wish there were better protocol in place to have taken care of him earlier in the day when we said to them, 
things are going to escalate. And they did. Weber taken to the hospital where he was pronounced dead. Uh, neighbors say he had been struggling with mental health issues. Uh, they say officers have been called to this home multiple times. And uh, police say, no, they, the police department, Suffolk County Police Commissioner Rodney Harrison, says he reviewed the body camera footage of this shooting. And he says the officers were justified because this guy was standing outside his house with two swords in his hands. Cops shot this man in his own home. And it wasn't one shot. We heard six shots. There has to be an alternate path and what occurred was behaving erratically for the past couple of weeks he was off his meds why didn't they take him in before it escalated yeah it's so complicated especially with mental health issues you can't just pull somebody off the street and confine them in an institution doesn't work that way and the police of course show up to the scene sometimes they know the history sometimes they don't but they have to protect themselves complicated awful ending to that story nobody wanted it but suffolk county police commissioner said those officers 100 percent did the right thing protected themselves in that moment where that man walked out with two swords in his hands wabc news time 538 what's one of the biggest complaints new yorkers have uh, no bathrooms when you're walking the streets and no parking spots when you're looking for a place to leave your car a new york times report revealing why it is so difficult to find parking in the city with more than 2.2 million registered cars and only about 3 million free parking spaces. So the nightmare becomes worse for folks like this woman, Sandra, when you factor in people who drive in from the suburbs every day. I always have to take like a one hour or one hour and a half to looking for an spot. It's very difficult. It is. Uh, delivery hubs, of course, take spots. Um, bikes, those dining sheds, they eat away roughly 8,000 of the city's free spaces every day. And, of course, it has drivers uh, opting sometimes for garages, which on average are about $441 per month in the city. But actually, I think it's a lot higher than that. I mean, 441 sounds like a bargain. I have a professor that I take his parking at 630 in the morning and then I give it to him back at 3 o'clock. I'm a doorman at 77th Street, so he lives across the street. Yeah, I hear lots of deals like that where people sort of essentially share the spot if they're on opposite hours so they never have to circle. And if you've never lived in the city, and for a long time I did, the worst part of living here was if you didn't have a spot, was circling, looking for one. You were just ready to shoot someone. No, usually I got to stop and I just got to try to go around or wait till they clean the, the area and then put it back the car. Yeah, it is very hard. It is getting worse. Yeah, lots of people, of course, will sit in their cars on alternate side of the street parking days waiting for that sweeper to go by so then they can get into the spot. So the New York Senate is floating a proposal for residential parking permits in the city. Essentially, you'd get a sticker that you'd put in your window, which would essentially set aside certain parking spots for people who live in the neighborhood. Most people seem to be, when you talk to New Yorkers, are in favor of this. They love this idea where essentially it would make it easier for them to find a spot at the end of the day. For whatever reason, it hasn't been able to pass in the Senate in uh, Albany. New York State taking action to bolster online protections for children. Governor Hochul joining with other officials to introduce two pieces of legislation, one that aims to regulate kids' unhealthy social media usage and another that bars platforms from collecting and sharing those kids' personal data. My responsibility as the governor of New York is to protect our people. It doesn't matter how young they are or what the 
threat to their well-being could be. It comes months after the U.S. Surgeon General issuing this advisory about the effects of social media on teens. Governor Hochul says New York kids are in crisis and adults in the room need to step up. Uh, here's New York Attorney General Letitia James, who took part in this press conference yesterday, is confident in this legislation they're putting forward. These two bills target the most dangerous aspects of social media, and they do so in a way that we believe will stand up to scrutiny and to challenges. Yeah, I don't know how you stop these websites and all these platforms from collecting personal data, uh, but uh, they say they have a plan that might work. I'm standing up here today for a very simple reason. I want to raise my children in a world where big tech does not profit at the expense of their mental health. Yeah, it does seem out of hand. Uh, They're going to try to rein it in. 542. Most New York City residents will soon be mandated to put their trash in containers and another move to get rid of trash bags on the street and cut down on the number of rats. Mayor Adams says this will apply now to those in buildings with nine or fewer residential units by the fall of next year, which is about 95 percent of residential properties. These plastic bags that are bad for our landfills, they're bad for our environment, and they're just unsightly uh, in our city. So by the summer of 2026, places with nine or fewer residential units will be required to put trash into official New York City trash bins that'll be available for around 50 bucks. This is much more than getting trash off our streets. This is about how New Yorkers, how we view our streets, how we view our public space and how we value it. In Hoboken, boy, they have a horrible problem with rats. And now they're forcing every resident of the Miles Square City to put their trash in containers, hoping that will fix the problem. And the sanitation commissioner you just heard there, Jessica Tisch, thinks that'll work here as well. And DSNY will retrofit or replace hundreds of trucks to move past the days of throwing the bags by hand. Yeah. Okay. 543. Prince Harry, Meghan Markle were in the city raising concerns about youth mental health. The royal couple hosting a conference through their Archwell Foundation on how the Internet and social media are affecting young people. For kids, we have to do more to protect them. In knowing this is not going away, how do we make it safer, better, more positive? You should have seen the entourage of people protecting uh, Megan and Harry as they came to New York. There's 12 cars in their uh, entourage of cars of security. I mean, I think that's more than when President Biden passed our office on here right here on East 49th Street for the U.N. General Assembly just a couple of weeks ago. New Jersey, one step closer to allowing pharmacists to provide hormonal birth control to patients without prescriptions. Governor Murphy says the medical examiner and pharmacy boards unanimously approved the measure, which was introduced in reaction to the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. We're going to stand united in saying hell no to a right-wing movement that is hell-bent on ripping away our fundamental freedoms. Blade's step will allow groups to establish a framework for distribution, which is expected to start within the first six months of next year. The governor says it will not just protect women from New Jersey, but those from outside of the state who are trying to secure birth control. The Garden State will not go backwards. We will stand firm. And to every woman who has been abandoned and targeted by their state's leadership, we are here to tell you, you have a home 
in New Jersey. 545 now. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellick. Thank you, Noam Alady. You're quite welcome. Starting on the diamond here with the MLB playoffs. We have two more championship series bound squads. In the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Houston Astros, the D-backs completed the sweep of the Dodgers with a 4-2 win in Game 3 of the NLDS against L.A. in Minnesota. The Astros move on after handling the Twins, besting them 3-2 to punch their ticket to the ALCS for what I believe is the seventh straight season. So they'll meet the Texas Rangers. Battle of the Lone Star State in the ALCS there. A gnome in the National League. The Phillies returned home and hammered the Atlanta Braves by a score of 10 to 2 behind two of Bryce Harper long balls, taking a two games to one series lead ahead of game four, set for a 6 or 7 p.m. first pitch tonight. To the ice we go where the Rangers and Devils will open their respective 2023 regular season campaigns for the hockey blue shirts. They'll start things off in Buffalo to battle the Sabres tonight at 7 p.m. And Devs will drop the puck on their season at home against the Detroit Red Wings at 7.30. You don't get any Islanders hockey until Saturday. After the Sabres are done with the Rangers, they'll go and meet the Islanders on Saturday. And, of course, it is Thursday, which means a fresh week of NFL action. Week 6 kicks off with the 1-4 and four Denver Broncos in Kansas City to take on the 4-1 and one Chiefs on Thursday night football. Kickoff is set for 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time. And the Chiefs go in as uh, 10.5-point favorites there locally. The 2-3 and three Jets get set to host the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles Sunday afternoon at 4.25 p.m., currently as 7-point underdogs. That's for the 1-4 and four, uh, four Giants. They'll be in Buffalo Sunday night at 8.20 p.m. as 14-point underdogs against the 3-2 and two Bills. Noam, that is sports. Should and I take the Giants 14 points? I probably should, right? Uh, I mean, with the way Buffalo played last weekend, it wouldn't be the worst bet in the huh. world. All right. But they're in Buffalo. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's a tough stadium to play in. And, uh, well, the Giants uh, stink. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So. <laughs> and the last time when they played Monday night, they lost, what, 40 to nothing? Exactly. Yeah, so. yeah, so they don't score a lot of points, and they give up a lot of points, which uh, in turn might lead to a uh, a defeat of more than 14 points. No. So you've changed your mind. I, I have take changed the bills. my mind. Okay. Yes, you should take the Bills. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Bills and the 14 points. <laughs> there you go. Take it away. Okay. All right. Thanks, Justin. <laughs> Let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. Continues to be, of course, in the Middle East. Terrorists in the Gaza Strip launched a salvo of rockets at central Israel this morning, triggering sirens around Netanya. The Israeli Air Force continuing to pound Hamas targets in the Gaza Strip overnight. Uh, the number, the death toll in Israel has risen overnight. Now, this is more about finding bodies and identifying the dead from Saturday's Hamas attack. It is now at at least 1,300 people dead, 3,000 wounded. The IDF uh, also saying that they've raised the number of soldiers that have been killed. 31 soldiers killed uh, since Saturday. That brings the total number of Israeli soldiers dead to 220. This barrage of targets that were hit in the Gaza Strip overnight, it was 136 command centers, they say, 40 underground facilities, according to the military. And uh, the death toll is over a thousand in Gaza now. Uh, tensions are also high in the northern part of Israel, where the IDF has reinforced towns and villages with reserve forces. Uh, air raid sirens blaring across northern Israel just in the last few moments, uh, with um, drones, uh, reports of drones and paragliders coming across the border. None of that could be confirmed, but it was enough to set off the alarms in big cities like Haifa, Tiberias, uh, Kiryat Shmona, Matul. 
Pula, Naharia. Uh, simultaneously, a telephone message from the Israeli Defense Forces Home Front Command was warning people of a large-scale countrywide attack. It sent millions of Israelis rushing to bomb shelters overnight. And um, we got word, but this is the cold water's been thrown on this, that some hostages have been free. Uh, they weren't freed from Gaza. That was the initial thought. But the, there was a, a woman and her two neighbor's kids that were released overnight by Hamas. But it's not clear where they're coming from. And the conversations continue about releasing these hostages. Uh, that is, we hear from a reporter on the ground in southern Israel who's describing the scenes of carnage committed by Hamas. Her name is Nicole Zedek, and she's a reporter for uh, I-24 News, and she's been doing a pretty fantastic job uh, covering this. The atrocities that are still left behind, children's cribs, baby cribs overturned on their sides, splattered with blood. She says the image of no doubt will never leave her mind and she also says the carnage is not isolated just to the southern part of Israel. You have to know that these atrocities are happening all over. So this is just a glimpse into what is happening here. And then you have the Palestinians who've been warned by Israel who live in the Gaza Strip to get out because it's going to get worse. And so there's was this mass exodus from the Gaza Strip into the Sinai Peninsula in Egypt. The border crossing was there, was open for a while. Uh, Richard Engel was on the ground watching it. Around a thousand Palestinians have been killed so far. And this is just the opening phase. Israel is now preparing to send in tanks and troops. Yeah, so it's clear, it's looking more clear that there'll be some sort of ground war. That Rafa border crossing between Gaza and Egypt, uh, it is shut again. Uh, it has been open at times uh, during the last couple of days so Palestinians can get out. But the thought is it may be shut now as part of an exchange for the hostages, that they'll reopen the border if hostages are let go. At least that's the thought of some people who are watching this on the ground. And then, of course, back here in the U.S., we're hearing of some of the connections of the deaths between of the Americans. 22 Americans are dead. They think maybe 14 are being held hostage. That number is not firm as they try to figure out the death toll rising because they're finding more bodies in Israel. And, of course, as they do, they scratch off some of those names off the hostage list. But the family of an Israeli-American soldier from Paramus, New Jersey, who was serving, serving in the Israeli military, confirming now that he was killed in the Hamas attack. His name is Itai Glisko. Uh, they found out the 20-year-old was among the dead just in the last 24 hours. It's terrible. First of all, the four days of unknown what happened and the hopes and the prayers and then the horrible news. Meantime, a soldier from New Jersey, Edon Alexander, who recently graduated from Tenafly High, is among the Americans who's missing, could be kidnapped, or, or you know, maybe he's dead, they just don't know. Maybe he's being captive, maybe he's, God forbid, something else. It's a, it's a roller coaster. You know, you go through emotional roller coasters. That's his father uh, speaking to the press yesterday. In addition, a family in Great Neck found out their 25-year-old relative Leah Turgerman was killed while attending that music festival where so many people were shot down, 260 of them at that rave in the Negev on Saturday morning. You no doubt have seen the videos of those Hamas terrorists coming over on hang gliders and then shooting at those concert goers. And then we're hearing from a man who grew up on the 
southern border of Gaza. And he's telling us a dozen family members, a dozen, have been kidnapped. He says the military has confirmed that they are, they have been kidnapped. And his name is Yotam Kipnis. He grew up on this kibbutz where his parents still live. And they are among the missing still this morning. It's like a limbo, you know. I don't know exactly where they are. I do not know if they're alive or, or dead. And if they are alive, they're probably had held a... Hostage in, uh, in Gaza. So the house they lived in burned to the ground by those terrorists on Saturday morning. His father, uh, Istari, 65 years old, he has this severe nerve disease that requires daily medication. And so uh, Yotam worries that not only is he not getting the medication, even if he's being treated well, he's not getting the medication. So he worries whether he could survive being held captive for a long period of time. Because even if he is alive and getting treated uh, you know reasonably uh, he can't keep on living for much longer unless he has his uh, medication she is a very mentally strong uh, woman he's talking about his mother there of course keep it here 77 wabc for the latest everything happening in the gaza and israel we'll have it right here or surf on over to wabcradio.com a connecticut soldier killed in world war ii finally at rest buried in New York, at a Long Island military cemetery, Sergeant Bernard Sweeney Jr. did not have a name until forensics experts were able to identify him a few years ago. We're going to do justice and um, have him buried in honor that he actually deserves. Yeah, so the 22-year-old was interred in Belgium under a number uh, under a number after being killed by a German landmine. Dozens of veterans turned out to honor Sergeant Sweeney this week as the Connecticut native was laid to rest with full military honors at Calverton, uh, Calverton National Cemetery on Long Island nearly 80 years after his death. And finally, on a much, 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 much lighter note, <laughs> I meant to get to the story yesterday, but it's still good. You know how you can put all kinds of things on your TV to watch to calm you down, right? Uh, depends, you know, on the, you can pull something up from YouTube. So this woman's sitting in her apartment in uh, Manhattan High Rise and it was cold outside. So she put on the heat. This was this week and she put up a Yule log video so she could see a Yule log video on fire as she was doing some work from home. Well, somebody across the street, she had, you know, she has like one of these 70 inch screens. Somebody from across the street saw that and they thought her apartment was on fire. <laughs> so they called the fire department and uh, the firefighters raced over to this woman's home. <laughs> and then they realized, well, they realized what was going on. I got my laptop. I made some tea. I put on some candles and the fireplace. So this is where the fire happened. This is the one that was on. That's the one that caused the false alarm. Yeah. So she just had what looked like a fireplace on her TV, but a neighbor thought her apartment was on fire. Did the right thing, I guess, called 911. Uh, she says now she plans to invest in curtains to cover her windows because well, this guy was watching in on her.